about your psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. Derek Montilla, my man, how you doing? Good, man. How you doing? Thank doing, you for having me. No problem, man. Thank you, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, my man, Derek, covers the Arizona Diamondbacks for Arizona Sports on 98.7 and is a member of the podcast called The Steel Cage. You're in Arizona. I'm in New York. We're home. We're chilling. It's like it's like 100 degrees where you're at. It's like 70 over here. I wish I was. <laughs> I, w- I wish I was in Arizona right now with that kind of weather, man. It's it's nice, but it's only nice for like a short period of time. It's when it <laughs> sticks around for too long right. where you're like, yeah, I'm sick of this. I've had it. Exactly. Um, but yeah, man, I do want to thank you for coming on. You can find Derek on Twitter at cap underscore caveman, C-A-P underscore K-A-V-E-M-A-N. So um, I know me and you have been going back and forth for a while. Uh, been a fan of what you do on the, the, the Twitter world. And Thanks, man. Same, same with you. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. So in doing this kind of retro style wrestling podcast, I wanted to get a, a, a bunch of different people to come on, um, especially if they were fans back in the day. They're fans now. They cover the sport now. And, um, you know, you're a guy that I wanted to get on pertaining to money in the bank. So I know I gave you a whole bunch of topics and we we picked this one because, you know, money in the bank is coming up. Uh, soon. So by the time this, this airs, uh, Money in the Bank would be like two days from that point. So um, what we're going to do is we'll take a deep dive into the first actual Money in the Bank ladder match at WrestleMania 21. And then we go into the first cash-in by Edge at New Year's Revolution 06. So the first Money in the Bank was 05. And then how that whole ordeal kind of catapulted Edge into a superstar status kind of elite uh, performer. So uh, before I get into that, the first question I do ask everybody who comes on is, uh, you know, what what made you become a wrestling fan back in the day? Was it a match? Was it a certain superstar? Was it a, a pay-per-view? Did you go to many shows when you were younger? What exactly uh, you can say pinpointing you to becoming a longtime wrestling fan? Yeah, man. Uh, my my dad did take me to a show. I think a lot of people that go to wrestling shows, especially when they're young, uh, they it it you get hooked really easily, right? It's mm-hmm. like watching these guys that are bigger than life, you know, superstars. They're comic book characters. Uh, everything everything that a kid wants to watch. 
Uh, and so I think I was about seven or eight. My dad took me to uh, Veterans Memorial Coliseum here in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm. Uh, I saw Piper. I saw, you know, a bunch of the guys from back in the day. And I think I just kind of fell in love with that at the time. Uh, but then, you know, I think it really translated from that point into watching it immediately on TV and watching the cartoon, which I, I think I already watched before we went to see it. Uh, I know that there was a Saturday morning cartoon. I know I got had a wrestling buddy at one point. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the thing for me, though, really cemented it was uh, the division between me and my brothers. I had two older <laughs> brothers that were about six and seven years older than me, and they both couldn't tell me enough how stupid and fake wrestling was. And I used any opportunity, especially when blood was involved, to show them how wrong they were. Uh, I remember there was particularly one thing that I think made me like a wrestling fan for life, which was this night where uh, Jake the Snake kissed Miss Elizabeth on Superstars Ah, and Macho Man went off Mm -hmm. and whooped his ass and he like got disqualified for banging his head against the stairs and he bloodied jake the snake and man i used that was like that was exhibits a b c and d (laughs) my case against my brothers being wrong Mm -hmm. about pro wrestling and i remember my brothers being confused watching it and believing also even though they were older that what was going on was legitimate so it was that one night where i won over my big brothers on this argument about wrestling being fake or real, you know? Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's just been something I have enjoyed my entire life. I think I took a little hiatus during, you know, that period of time where you, you kind of go from being a kid and not really understanding that it's not real to realizing it's fake and, you know, kind of a show (laughs) and, and feeling a little duped about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then like not caring about that and then coming back to it. So right. uh, the thing that brought me back to it was the NWO because I couldn't believe I was watching Hulk Hogan as a bad guy. Right. And that it made me laugh. It was like addictive to me. Like I couldn't get enough of seeing him tell the crowd how stupid they were for always believing his whole vitamins and prayers thing. <laughs> and yeah, and then ever since that, ever since the NWO was formed, I think I have been a consistent wrestling fan uh, ever since. Uh, real quick, the, the the Jake and Macho part uh, was that when uh, the the snake bit Macho? I believe so. I believe so. Um, I don't really remember it super well, and I haven't really seen it since then. I just know I th- I'm I'm pretty sure that was what I remember happening. And then I think one time I saw that there was an exact kind of a, a event that occurred on Saturday night. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, superstars or whatever it was called, um, and you know that that like I was like okay, I think that was the night as a kid that I saw. You know, yeah. you don't really know because I remember as a kid not even knowing when wrestling was on. Like it was just it was just suddenly on at times that I didn't expect it to be, and I would sit down in front of the TV and not move until it was over. You know, right. so that's that 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 was my recollection of of pro wrestling and a lot of TV when I was younger. But um, yeah, it's it's been something that I've always loved. So to be fair, because um you know I you know to give my my part, and I'll say it I'll say it every every start of the show. Uh, for me, it was a. Uh, uh, Hogan and Warrior WrestleMania 6 I think that was the match that really got me hooked uh, the first pay-per-view I recall seeing was SummerSlam 89 with my Macho Zeus Hogan and Beefcake in the main event I think because that was in Jersey 
if I if I'm not mistaken. Plus they had the Warrior and 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 Rick uh, Rick Rue for the Intercontinental Championship, and then you know you get to 1990 and it's like I think the first time I had my parents order the you know the pay per view and you know they told me well you know if if you do good in school we can order WrestleMania for you. I'm like shit. All right, so I'm, I'm making sure I'm doing all my things, my chores and getting decent to good grades and they said alright we, we'll get you Wrestlemania and I saw Warrior I saw Hogan man they, they were both good guys and they're in the main event for both titles and it just kind of seeing the, the face pain and, and the colors the Warriors wore the tassels him running to, him running to the ring and just that whole kind of ordeal I, I've been watching ever since I did phase out uh, just like you did. I think in 04, 05, I think it was post-Attitude uh, Era, so they were in the middle of the Rufus Aggression Era. I phased out. Yeah. And... Yeah. Um, Long story That's an understandable time to phase out in. That was yeah. that was disappointing. Long story short, man, I, I you know I'm working with kids and I, I this is like 05 and I hear these kids talk about oh did you see uh, Jericho and John Cena last night and in my head I'm like I ne- I, I never knew who John Cena was and I, and I asked the kids so who's John Cena uh, and the kids said oh he he's the world champion I said John Cena who's who 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 who's that. I'm thinking Jericho and Mankind and Hunter and those guys. And they said, no, John Cena, this this new guy who raps. And I said, all right, I'll go check it out, man. And he, he just began this feud with Edge. And that's when I right, right, that's when I came back into watching it right at the Revolution Part 06. And I see Edge change the character to Radar Superstar and cash in. And, and I was like, boom. It got me hooked ever since. So from the last 14 years, I've been watching it, you know, in and out here and there. But uh, I did phase out. But 05, 06 is when, I, is when I got back into it. Yeah. The John Cena years almost lost me. I'll admit that. <laughs> there were times uh, where I was a huge fan of that guy. You know, I, I can't say enough about how m- much I was on his side originally. Mm. I've. I've told this story several times, but I remember being at a show here in Phoenix and it was like a SmackDown, you know, just a normal weekly show, not a pay-per-view. Yeah. But after the show was over, uh, you know, John Cena had the closing segment and, you know, they hit the SmackDown music and the show came to an end and there was no dark match. Uh, And John Cena just took about 45 minutes to go around the ring and, you know, <laughs> give high fives and autographs to everybody. Yeah. And I just sat for a while. I never, I never went down cause I was kind of in a, I was, I was older at this point. So I wasn't in the phase of getting autographs or anything. And to be honest, this was like pre cell phone selfie time. This yeah. is, you know, these weren't people getting pictures necessarily with them unless they brought like a, a Canon camera with them or something right but Mm -hmm. you know most of most of these were just handshakes and autographs and you know what's up from john cena and like i watched him not let a single person leave until they got their handshake he was actually telling people on the other side that were getting a little restless to wait he'll be over there in a second uh and i was with my wife and i remember turning to her and just being like my god that guy is that guy is a superstar. When they talk about superstars, that mm. guy is a superstar. And this was pre-championship run. I think this was maybe was, he was getting into his U.S. title uh, kind of phase, the first you know U.S. title phase for him. But yeah. you could just see 
what a company guy this was. Um, I've seen this out of a couple other people. I've seen it out of Johnny Gargano at an NXT house show where he like literally wouldn't let anybody that wanted a picture with him leave until they got a picture with him. There's just mm-hmm. certain guys who are cut that way to understand how much that experience means to a fan on every single night. You know, it's 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 one of those things that you got to put how you're feeling aside. You got to put, you know, the fact that you don't feel like being out there, you might be not feeling great or injured or whatever and still make sure you go around and give those fans that personal experience. And I mean, you you don't have to do it, but man, the, the really great ones do. And those are the ones that build fans, you know, for life. Uh, fans like you and I, you know, and that, right. that's the thing is you go away, but you, you come back uh, because you always kind of have that love for, for professional wrestling. Exactly. I mean, I, I know I've had so many experiences since I've kind of gotten older with pro wrestling that I'll never forget. I, I've made you know, friendships for life over it. Mm-hmm. And I've just had, I've had cool experiences from hanging out in a pet boys parking lot with Ronda Rousey at PWG to, nice. you know, being ringside at WrestleMania in, in San Francisco to taking pictures and, and being press. It's, it's been an amazing, you know, journey for me as a fan and the things I've had to do, I'm really thankful for. So before we get into the, the money, the bank conversation, please tell me that you went to WrestleMania 26 uh, I did go to WrestleMania 26. Ah, absolutely. Good, good. And, good I, and I sat like a <laughs> mile away from the ring. Like that was for me, that was like my first experience of realizing mm. how bad even good seats could be at WrestleMania. <laughs> right. Like yeah. I was like, I remember buying them and being like, oh man, these are going to be dope. They're like fifth row, <laughs> but they were fifth row, like in the bleachers wow. <laughs> behind all the floor seats. Wow. And, we had a great view of like the entrance. So that's one thing that I always remember is, you know, a big part of WrestleMania is like being able to see that the entrance and see all the, the spectacle, all the pyro, all of that. So I had a perfect like dead center view for that during Mm. WrestleMania 26. But I do remember the ring being very, very, very far away from me. (laughs) So Derek, man, I got you here for one reason, one reason only, we're going back to the first ever Money in the Bank ladder match at WrestleMania yes. 21 in 05. We get to Edge, New Year's Revolution in 06. But um, I want to start off here because you told me offline, and I, and I, I was laughing when, when, when you told me that you thought the Money in the Bank ladder match was a dumb idea. The, the, the Money in the Bank concept, the briefcase, uh, a multiple-person ladder match. But now... As we fast forward to 2020, it is now one of your favorites. So tell me why you thought Money in the Bank was a, a dumb idea and what led to you saying, you know what, I love this match. You know, it's funny because this this all happened with the first Money in the Bank. It didn't take me multiple Money in the Banks to fall in love with it. It, it took this one. I think for me, this was happening during a time where I felt like they were just trying to market people like Edge and Christian and the Dudley boys and the Hardy boys in matches that they could set each other on fire and throw each other through tables and do all of this stuff. Right. So I, 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 at the time just felt like everything was getting very gimmicky. I felt like they were, you know, it was going to be a briefcase on a pole match kind of thing. And I just thought the whole thing was so stupid. Right. Uh, for me, I had these very, definitive matches that 
shaped me as a person, right? Like the, you know, Razor Ramon, Shawn Michaels ladder match. And I didn't think like a ladder match needed to be multi-people. I thought that was dumb. I thought the fact that there were, you know, it was going to be for a briefcase instead of a championship. I thought that was dumb. I thought that the fact that the person who had the briefcase that could then cash in whenever they wanted was really dumb. You know, it was, but it was also the like the time frame in my life. Uh, our, my friend Neo X from our podcast, he has this saying about putting on your smarky fedora. Mm-hmm. It's 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 where you start getting super smarky. You put on your smarky fedora. Sometimes your smarky fedora has a huge rim brim and a big <laughs> feather in it. Yeah, you know. So this is when I was getting fitted for my smarky fedora. It was when I was starting to have those opinions that people have where they are now taking a stance one way or another in what should be or shouldn't be in professional wrestling. Uh, And it was stupid. You know, I went through a considerable phase like that because you start thinking, you know, more than the average wrestling fan. You start thinking, you know, the inside terms and all of this stuff and and the smarkiness comes out in you. So uh, I think that's what happened to me. Uh, Now, the thing about this is that the way it ended up playing out was like it came head to head also with that same smarkiness. Just like everybody at the time, even though I was a fan of John Cena at one time and he was beloved, Mm -hmm. I was sick of him too. Everybody was kind of sick of John Cena at this point. And it's not, again, John Cena's fault. It's a position that WWE proceeds to put their top guys in where they have them be a certain way for so long that people kind of find them to be annoying. People find them to, it puts, it's, people find them to be off-putting. It's, it's, and it's that constant idea from WWE that there always has to be one guy. I heard a great, uh, you know, take on this about Roman Reigns and it's the same thing. It's like Roman Reigns is a great guy. I interviewed him once. He was charming. He was funny. He was one of my favorite people. And he was like low key on the roster at the time. This was just when the shield was starting, but he came off to me as being once again, like I was saying about John Cena, a a superstar, somebody who I was like, this guy is going to be the next greatest thing. Right. But just like everybody else, I got sick of him. John Cena. I loved, I loved the rapping John Cena. I loved the word life. I had the word life shirt and I had all the stuff, but it just got to a point where John Cena won so much that he, it felt to me like it ruined wrestling. It felt to me like there were no surprises left. There was no excitement left. There was no spice. Everything was bland. Everything was just fucking grilled chicken with no pepper and no salt on it and no seasoning. (laughs) And, And that's the part that felt boring. That's the part where I was saying it almost lost me. Uh, you talk about kind of like that revolution period where like after they bought WCW and they brought all these guys in and all this stuff happened, like I, I, I they almost lost me during that time, too, because my expectations were high and it, it fell really flat. John Cena was the same thing. I was happy he won the title. Like a lot of people, I was excited for him to be champion. But after a while, it just fell flat because it became the Super Cena thing and everything just became repetitive and over and over. And and it's not really necessarily, you know, his fault. It's not a lot of their faults. It's it's the fault of, you know, the circumstance there. There wasn't a lot of guys that stuck around during that time for him to, like, be put over by as far as, you know, established legends and superstars. Everybody kind of ditched, you know, WWE all at once. And, you know, John Cena stuck around or John Cena was there, not stuck around, but he was there to to be the guy. 
but this this cash-in, this cash-in was so exciting. It was so perfect. It was at such a perfect time where all of us were so exhausted with John Cena overcoming all the odds constantly and always coming out on top that like it it made me realize what a great you know catalyst the money in the bank could be you know as as a wrestling thing mm-hmm. you know the the cash in is is forever in my mind there are th- there's things from last week I don't remember and right now as I'm talking about it I see the look on Edge's face with that briefcase I see him shoving it into the referee's hands like it's such uh it was such one of the like most important moments in WWE history mm. and uh, and honestly it wouldn't have been that great if John Cena wasn't that guy that we wanted to see lose it so bad you know, it, it was it was technically a heel moment. People should have been booed, booing. They should have been furious. They should have been like, you're a scumbag, Edge. He just had this match and he's dead and he fought all these people and all of this. And now you're going to cash in. No, but we were like jumping out of our skin because we were like, yes, take it. Take it from him. Take it from him and let him never have it again. You know, it, was, <laughs> it was just such an incredible moment, but it would have never been that incredible had it not been set up by the quote unquote super Cena period in his career. You know, we just needed him to lose it so bad. And he proved to be so undefeatable. You know, he was that boss at the end of a video game that you hate because you never beat him and it made you give up. And and that's John Cena. Uh, But edge beating him was that great moment for us. And man, that was what made me believe in the money in the bank. You know, right. it made me believe that money in the bank was going to forever be a great part of professional wrestling. So we get the, the debut of this match, this, this gimmick match with uh, six uh, wrestlers in the ring for this uh, contract that if you uh, obtain the, the briefcase, you will have a, a, a championship match with anybody of your choosing within, within a year. So, I'm watching this, you know, obviously I, I did not watch it live. I uh, saw it later on. And um, to, to be quite frank, man, I think WrestleMania 21 is one of the, I would say one of the underrated WrestleMania cards that we've had. Um, there are yes. some great matches yes, on that card that people need to go back and watch it. So right, this match is, I think, near near the beginning. The original concept, from what I've heard, came from Chris Jericho. I'm not sure if, if that was just the the the, the TV uh, person saying that Jericho came came with the idea, but maybe McMahon or Hunter, I, I don't know. But on TV, it was Jericho coming to Bischoff saying, "Let's do this multi-man ladder match for a briefcase for a world title match uh, on any brand within a year." And at this time, Derek, I, I would say 2005. Their roster was stacked, and I think that's why they had to do this match because when you got like Orton and Taker in one match, you got Batista and Hunter in a different match, you got Sean and Kurt Angle. Uh, the roster is stacked, and it's like, all right, what do I do with Jericho? What do I do with Edge and Christian and Benoit and Kane and Shelton Benjamin? You know, those were the guys who were in the first Money in the Bank ladder match, and it's like. Why not put all these guys together and create this 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 crazy epic match? Kind of see how it goes, so that because you don't know it'll come back the following year, and then you don't know down the road it'll become its own pay per view. 
So I think right. it was a pilot. I, uh, they 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 wanted to see how it goes, how the reaction was, because we've seen plenty of ladder matches. We've seen TLC matches. We've seen triple threat tag team ladder matches. But this part, this particular match was to me the trendsetter. Where now it's like, all right, if I can anybody like you, you can lose all year and be in that match and win a briefcase and now you're you're uh, you're in line for a world title shot and i think it i think it happened at the right place at the right time and i don't think it could couldn't have been any better person than edge to win that first uh, ladder match no not at all not only did he need it to break out as a singles competitor um but it also solidified him when you look at who else was in that match. I mean, mm-hmm. you had Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, Shelton Benjamin, Kane, and Christian. Uh, a lot of those guys were well-established guys when you talk about Benoit, Jericho, and Kane. That that was a big win for Edge. And, you know, you, you had Shelton Benjamin, who was very young and up-and-coming in that match. And uh, I would say Edge and Christian were probably both around that same, you know, place in their career though edge was always kind of a favorite when he was originally introduced in the wwe i know i was a big fan of edge mm. uh coming out of the crowd and the whole you think you know me thing um before the brood before he teamed with christian he was just a, a very charismatic young man i think <laughs> one of when you talk about what i was saying earlier uh, about like predicting whether guys are going to be stars there was a like a trading card set that came out for like golden crisps or some breakfast cereal. Yeah, and I re- I remember the the four people on it were like Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Edge. And I I was like Edge. <laughs> what at the time <laughs> it was so weird to be like yeah. Edge, and you know now he's a legend in the business. But oh yeah, definitely. you know it, it it showed that when he was very young, they thought very highly of him. When you start putting him on, you know, just toys and promotional material and things like that uh, next to those guys, it shows that they thought originally very highly of him. And and you know then they they kind of looked for a moment for him to have that breakout and and this ended up being that for him so when you see this match whether you saw it live or or replay later on before the initial cash in later on what was your initial thoughts on the match like you know what i love it i now me seeing it live in action i can dig it and i'm looking forward to the next one were you in were you in that kind of line saying you loved it you want to see how it went and i want to see more of it I originally, uh, well, let me say first, I was convinced Chris Jericho was going to win this. Like you said, the way that the storyline went, the way everything went, uh, I think that might have been another thing for me that possibly, I'm not going to say made me un- like not enjoy it, but it made mm-hmm. me not excited about it because I felt like, God, this is so obvious. Look who Chris Jericho is in this match with. It's Shelton Benjamin. It's Christian. It's Edge. Like they were a bunch of mid carders to me. And then it was Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho. And I just felt at the time like all signs were pointing to Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. And then my, you know, I was like, it was like an 80 20 split between Erico, Jericho and, and Benoit winning. So when, when Edge won and when I watched the match, not only, not only do I remember like this match stealing the show at WrestleMania 21 for me, uh, I also remember 
just being very impressed by Edge, being very impressed by the win, uh, having it win me over some, but still being a little mad that he won it. You know, it wasn't it wasn't my guy. It wasn't my choice. It was just an impressive match. These guys, they went all out. I remember re- being really impressed by Kane in the match. Like I thought Kane was just going to yeah. never, never climb a ladder or anything. So there was a lot to me that I liked. Uh, but for me, what really won it over was, you know, his possession of the, of the belt or of the, of the briefcase, it, his time with it. The way I realized that that briefcase essentially became a championship itself exactly and, and and edge holding it made me realize that he 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 carried it like it was a belt he it made it it made him more prestigious and you know this was at a time when there wasn't 22 championships in the wwe so having this briefcase did feel very important so let's break down edge real quick i know you mentioned him and the brew the tag team era with him and christian but um you know the, the 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 brood is 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 a weird concept because a, a lot of a lot of fans love it, they love the group. I don't think it I don't think it stayed that long, uh, but it it definitely has like a cult following uh, after all these years, and that's where Edge got his start in, and that's where Christian started. But then he then then they go into a tag team division, and then Edge becomes a singles guy, um, and then becomes the Rated R superstar. So breakdown. What you thought of Edge in the Brood with Christian as at the multiple time tag team champion and beginning his singles run and then ultimately becoming this uh, Rated R superstar character? I'll say I, th- I think the Attitude Era gets a lot of flack for how dumb some of the storylines were or how offensive they seemed. Yeah, uh, you know I, I always see a lot of the stuff like the Brood and like the choppy choppy your PP stuff brought up and all of that. <laughs> it's like Valvated, I'll tell you yeah. I'll tell you this much in defense of all of that. All of it was a story. All of it. All of it was very dramatic. All of it was a week to week unveiling of facts to make you intrigued by it and make you want to see next week's episode. Mm -hmm. So as much as they say, as much as some of this now in, in retrospect seems stupid uh, and kind of unbelievable that it was part of wrestling at the time, they, they told a better story with a lot of it than they do with stuff they're doing these days. You know, the brood was fascinating because, you know, it was this slow integration of these guys into the brood and, you know, you always kind of thought when they were going after Edge that Edge was going to resist it. And instead, he fell in line and became part of the brood. Yep. Uh, you know, it was it was kind of a cool gimmick. The whole thing, Gangrel, uh, even when he was by himself, it was just it was just one of those things that that I don't know if, if you if you kind of love wrestling for how stupid and ridiculous it can be at times, you can really enjoy stuff like this. I was a huge Undertaker fan. I was a huge Papa Shango fan. So I loved the brood. Like, I I was all in with the spitting of the blood and the coming up from the underground and everything. I mean, it it was way better to me than when wrestling transitioned over to having guys named Randy Orton and Kurt Angle. Like, that was (laughs) where I was like, what are we doing here? Bob Smith going to show up tomorrow? We're going to have John Jameson be a wrestler next week? What the hell? Like, I grew up in an era where wrestling was over the top and was big characters. So for me, I had a harder time adjusting the guys just using their real names and being just normal people than I did to someone like Edge becoming part of the brood. I love that. You know, I thought it was cool and I was in for it. Uh, Edge and Christian as a tag team. 
I absolutely hated. And I don't mean I hated like Why? hated. Uh, oh, hated them. No, I mean like they got me. Okay. They, okay. They were heels and they made me dislike them. I hated Edge and Christian. I hated their stupid antics. But then I was like, I was like that meme of that guy trying not to laugh, but he was still laughing a little bit, even though he's angry. That's me, dude. I was like, I hate you guys, but you're still funny. And I see that Christian's glasses are stupid and they're annoying and I hate his face, but I'm still laughing about it. Like everything they did, I found to still be entertaining, even though I really, really disliked them. Like they just grated on me in a way. And I think they were that perfect kind of uh, heel where they talk a lot of shit and then they win. You know, and like that's the last thing you want to see from guys that that talk big is is they win. You know, yeah. even if they're going to cheat to win, you still don't want to see them win. And they won a lot. And that part drove me nuts. And I think that's the thing that really make made me hate them. I think that during the, this time, WWE started to really figure out that wins and losses mattered more to us than they did to them. And that we got heated over things like people being multi-champion multi-time champions that we didn't think deserved it and all of that so they yeah. started to use it against us uh, effectively <laughs> i felt like edge and christian were that for me you know like god i hated how how good they were but i hate, just hated them to their core you know um and i mean even edge is the rated r superstar i wasn't all in on I, I i liked it i thought it was a good progression in his you know career but again he was a heel and he did his job well where i didn't secretly like him on top of hating him because I knew I was supposed to. No, I just didn't like him, you know, until this cash-in. You know, this cash-in was the thing that made me a fan at least for one night. I was the biggest Edge fan, just like everybody else was, for one night because this cash-in meant so much to us. Yeah, and, and I think, um, you know, and, and, and I'll circle back in a second, but I think him getting – him having Lita with him added a, a different dynamic because you know him and Mar uh, Matt oh, Hardy had the, had, the, had the real, 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 real life uh, beef going real on. Real talk, yeah, real talk right there. You're absolutely right. Like I forgot all about that, but yes, the the real life Matt Hardy Lita triple or uh, Edge storyline. Yeah, uh, that that not only was was something that was happening in real life, but was happening as as a storyline. It made me so mad. It made me mad because I thought it was lame that they were doing it as a story mm -hmm. on top of it being a real life thing, you know, and I had seen that happen in wrestling before, you know, I had seen people who were secretly together be split up or put together on TV or whatever, yeah. for whatever reason. So that that way they could kind of build on the intrigue of what we know about their personal lives. But this, this, this hurt. This was different. This hit on a different level. Yeah, I think, um, there was a Jeff Jarrett Kurt Angle kind of thing in TNA. There was um, yes, yes. Not, Absolutely. not on this level, but no, the Macho and Elizabeth and Hogan was somewhat near that way. But Macho was just jealous of of everything and everybody, so he would just do his sure. own thing. So uh, I think when you have when you take a real life moment or real life uh, beef with someone and you put it on TV, it's crazy and it's funny, but you kind of get the best stories from that. It's wild because to me, it shows how professional people can be. Yes. You know, like I haven't had a lot of beefs in my lifetime, but I'll tell you the few I've had, I wouldn't want to work with them anymore. You know what I mean? I wouldn't want to uh, put that aside and be professional and do a show with them again. 
so it's it shows how professional these people can be at times. And I mean, don't get me wrong, professional wrestling is also a completely different animal. If if, like I've been part of wrestling shows where something happened and we were just like, oh, this is awesome. The ring broke. Let's go with it. Let's make this part <laughs> of the thing right now. You know, like so yep. sometimes when things go wrong in professional wrestling, you almost see an opportunity immediately to jump on it and and make some sort of storyline or thing out of it. Um, I do recall WrestleMania 21, the latter match was um – uh, a little tidbit raw. It was a Monday Night Raw exclusive, so no SmackDown, no anybody else involved. Um, after that, until WrestleMania 26, uh, it was open to all the brands, so SmackDown, ECW, and, and Raw. Um, it no longer became a match at WrestleMania, as we know now since uh, 10 years ago. Money in the Bank became his own pay-per-view. Um does I can go either way because one I am not a if it were up to me Derek I would just keep Money in the Bank as a specialty match at WrestleMania I think what they do they have they have a big problem with they take a big match like a Money in the Bank like a Hell in a Cell and they want to make it its own pay-per-view which I don't think it needs to happen so are you a fan no. of the entire Money in the Bank pay-per-view or the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, or do you feel like they should go back to the uh, traditional way of just having those matches be a, a special part of, of a show like WrestleMania? Not at all. I'm not a fan at all. I think that... I personally think that they tie their own hands with it, right? I think that it puts them in a position of having to have that match at that pay-per-view during that time when they could just have it whenever. So I will say that I, I don't like it, especially Elimination Chamber really bugged me being its own pay-per-view, too. Oh, yeah, that, that was another too, one. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm, I'm against it. Uh, I think that Money in the Bank, though, if you're talking about any of them, is – it, not only is it the best name to actually have a, a show, um, but it's the one match where they can actually have multiple, you know, money in the bank matches and have it be a pay-per-view that's kind of surrounded by that match. I hate when they have a hell in a cell or an elimination chamber and they just have one match in those structures. It's like, really? You said an entire pay-per-view around it and you did that just for one match? Like, that's kind of ridiculous, you know? Yeah. So. I, I don't know. I I also came like you did from an era where the pay-per-views were just kind of random and it felt more exciting that way. Now with everything so planned out, once you factor in a money in the bank and an elimination chamber and a SummerSlam and a Survivor Series and a Royal Rumble and a WrestleMania, it's like there's very few pay-per-views left outside of that for there to be any kind of just random things happening in them, you know, because they're all so set and structured now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like I, I like the dumb random names too when they have to like really <laughs> stretch for a pay per view name and it's just really bad. And we all get to oh, like uh, Great Balls of Fire. Yeah, Great Balls of Fire immediately comes to mind. Terrible, terrible. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm still I'm still mad that they 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 you know off topic that they, they never brought back the King of the Ring as his own pay per view and he want to do it on SmackDown or Raw or whatever that's cool but like come uh, on man like if you want to bring dude. back these if you want to bring Great Balls of Fire and these battlegrounds okay but 
how can you not bring back the King of the Ring? And if you want to, if, if you if you want to make a star or put some more a TV time on somebody, why not bring back that that pay per view? I know I might sound old school and I'm you know the old man in the room, but I'm like they they could have done this on on the network. You do that, but you bring Starcade on the network, which doesn't need to be a fucking show. Um, all these other things that you do. But you could make new stars by just this this one simple uh, tournament that you could have on the network um, as a pay per view. But you decide not to bring that back. But you want to have these Monday banks and chambers and hell in the cells as a as as a show. Dude, if you're the old man on this podcast, let's get in our rocking chairs and yell at kids <laughs> to get off our lawn together because That's I'm right. with you 100. percent King of the Ring was another one of those things like Money in the Bank, where King of the Ring was kind of this unofficial championship. It built guys. It made guys. It gave them a persona. It gave them an opportunity to take on the king of wrestling as whatever they wanted that to be. You know, we saw different incarnations of it, but of course, most of the time it was just some dude rocking the crown and the scepter and being super boastful about himself. It doesn't matter. That's exactly what this was meant to be. It was meant to be like... Uh, a lot of tournaments are in wrestling where they are meant to highlight the, the up and coming stars in professional wrestling. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that, you know, even, even with you talking about Starcade, Starcade has history, right? I don't need to see, you know, Rev- new year's revolution come back. If you want to put Starcade on the shelf, you know, you should really look at the, the brands and, and pay-per-views and shows you have and, and look at which ones have the most history and value. King of the Ring is absolutely that. Like, I knew when I was looking at the King of the Ring bracket that Baron Corbin was easily one of the the people that were going to win it. Yeah. Because of all the guys that were in the tournament, he was the one that needed, like, a gimmick. Yes. The most. He needed to be something and look exactly what I knew they were going to do with him. They were going to give him the King Corbin thing. He was going to be a jackass about it. And it's worked really well for him. It's given him a thing. Like, it doesn't even feel like he was King of the Ring. It just feels like he's King Corbin. It's his, he's this like Game of Thrones cosplayer dude. And it's, yeah. he's a prick. And, you know, we dislike him. And that's exactly what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he needed it. And a lot of guys need that push. I think also uh, the main roster needs some more tournaments. NXT does an excellent job of having tournaments, but there's no tournaments on the main roster. I love tournaments. And especially when you talk about like, bracketed tournaments that are going to occur over the course of one pay-per-view i'm completely in for that mm-hmm. uh, I, I i like when they do it over weeks on raw and smackdown too because that makes me want to watch those shows but when you do it all in one night it's so exciting you know no one will ever forget the night the rock won you know that that what was it survivor series tournament yeah uh, uh, deadly you game know, yeah the get deadly games thing because it was such a well-told story hell man i'll never forget how duped i was into that i watched the episode of velocity where the rock appeared in this over-the-top rope battle royal to win his way into that tournament and every single person in that arena was standing on their feet cheering for him when he won that damn thing even though we knew he was going to win it because he was in there with a bunch of no-name jobbers exactly like the rock and 29 other goobers and you were like yeah he's gotta win it but i don't know and then he (laughs) did and the whole thing just was awesome the story was well told the 
fact that they were brave enough at the time to take somebody that we all were kind of like falling in love with, like the rock and immediately turn him back to being heel after having like, I don't know, a six week face run. It was so awesome and it was so well done. And a big part of that though, was that tournament. It allowed them to tell that story over the course of one night, that story where we believed mankind was the hand picked champion and, and all yeah. of that. But man, I was I was fully in all that on that whole thing. I mean, not to de- deviate too far from Edge, but it was kind of the same thing where it was just really like I I bit hook line and sinker, and I was so mad at the Rock afterwards, and I hated him, and I hated the corporation, and I hated all of it. And it's it's very much so like Edge and Christian. Like it was people that won. And then they won by cheating, and then they just rubbed it in your face as the fan uh, that that they won, and like it really made you not care who they put up against that person. You just wanted to see whoever they put up against that person win. It didn't matter. So then it kind of generated stars by putting anybody that they put up against the rock and the corporation in a way Mm -hmm. as being stars, because we're like, I don't care who that guy. Yeah. Fine. Who test. Yeah. I don't care. Test. Yeah. I I cheer for test now because he's on, (laughs) you know, I don't care. I'll cheer for big show. I'll cheer for man. I'll cheer for all these guys. Cause I hate those guys so much so you know that's that's one thing that they really did well during this entire period of time uh it makes me think that they knew what they were doing with super cena and the eventual person that was going to beat them was going to immediately become a star whether he was a baby face or not you know it didn't matter we just wanted to see john cena lose so bad that the person that beat him was immediately at least temporarily our favorite person yeah because you know, sidebar real quick, you mentioned The Rock and the Corporation. That is one show I do have planned coming up where it just focuses on him turning heel at Survivor Series 98 and joining the corporation. That small um, rivalry with Stone Cold leading into WrestleMania 15 and how for me, a different, different topic for a different day, to me, that's my favorite heel Rock. I know some could say you know the the guitar with O uh, three the Hollywood Rock, and that's cool. But for me, the Corporation Rock in 99 for me that's 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 my favorite Rock heel. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um. So let's fast forward to New Year's Revolution 06. We are at January eighth, two thousand six. Uh, at the current time, Edge is the Money the Bank holder for two hundred and eighty days. So now it was like. All right, maybe at this at this point, we might have forgotten Edge has that Money in the Bank uh, contract, and now we're still like, all right, it's, it's January now. You got Rumble coming up. You got some things coming. You got WrestleMania. How long is Edge going to hold on to this uh, briefcase? And in this match, Derek, you have uh, in, the, in the chamber match, you got John Cena, Carlito, Chris Masters, Shawn Michaels, Kurt Angle, and Kane. Uh not a bad six for this match. Um, I saw it recently to kind of prepare for the, for, for, for the show. And, um, I thought it was a a very well put together, well done match. And obviously most would, would know the ending, but I think some who haven't seen this match should should go ahead and see it. Uh, A really good match. And obviously John Cena is the winner. I think he, 
I think Carlito was the last one left. If you want to, if really going to go back into it, and you you hear Shawn Michaels, Kane, and Kurt Angle, you're like, all right. If John Cena won, he'd probably be Shawn Michaels in the final two. He'd probably be Kurt Angle. He'd probably be Kane. No, he'd be fucking Carlito. And at the time, Carlito was getting this this push as IC champion. I love the heel character from Carlito. Him and Chris Masters were uh, a dope tag team at that time. But John Cena wins uh, the match. And as, as everybody else would think, we're going home. They raise the cage and everything. And, and McMahon comes out. And he says, the night is not over. We have one more match. And we, again, we have no idea what's going on. He says, we got one more match. And he says, this something like this individual is cashing in his money in the bank contract. And the fans are going crazy. I think this was in New York, if, if I'm not mistaken, in, up in Albany. So, obviously, if you're, if you're a good guy like John Cena, Super Cena, and if people are getting tired of you, New York will let you know. Derek, New York will let you know when they're getting tired of you. Yes, and yes. They'll be, they'll be the first to let you know. <laughs> they'll be the ones that are going to be like, hey, the rest of the country is about to get tired Yo, of Derek, you, dog. If you know why? Because yeah. we are. <laughs> if it ain't New York, Philly would tell you. Chicago yep. would tell you. Yes, I think correct. those three main cities would tell you, listen, man, we're tired of this guy. We want somebody. We, we want something brand new. And McMahon says, Edge is coming out. Edge comes out with Lita, and he gives McMahon the briefcase. I think this is the only time that somebody has given the briefcase to McMahon. Every time they do this cashing, they give it to the ref. So I'm like, all right. Edge comes down. He cashes in. He does the spear a couple times. John Cena kicks out, does it a spear again, and he wins. Now, now we got a new world champion in Edge, uh, 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 in Edge and we got a new uh, – the crowd's going crazy. John Cena, after damn near a whole year, just about a good seven months, is a world champion. He now loses. And it's like, yo, what in the world did I just see? Edge just beat John Cena in like two minutes. Not a real match, but it, it, it it's such a heel thing to do. And I think a lot of fans gravitated to that. So whether or not they were fans of Edge at the time or John Cena, it was such a heel thing to do. I think the first cash-in had to be a heel. And to do it in that kind of fashion, and we've seen it, uh, you know, later on, uh, other other guys do it. But to do it like that, and John Cena goes into like a half-hour chamber match, all blooded up, all tired, all everything, and to come out like that in that kind of fashion uh, on this show uh, was something brand new, something different, something creative. And now, as a fan at home, I'm like, all right, I want to see Edge and how he does as a world champion. I'm tired of John Cena. He's been champion for a damn near half a year. That was, that was cool, but I'm tired of him. I want to see Edge finally get his 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 just due. And I think at New Year's Revolution, we saw that. Oh yeah, we absolutely saw that, and that's what I think. That's what made that such a big moment. Right. Is is that we had Edge just I don't know, Edge just completely surprise everybody with the cash in. And it was after a match that I'm sure a lot of people had somebody in that elimination chamber that they wanted to win. I know I was a big fan of Carlito at the time. So when he made it to the final two, I was I was on the edge of my seat. And then John Cena beats my guy. And I'm like, yep. Of course he does. So, <laughs> of course, right? So, you know, Edge coming out, thats that was like a unifying factor. And I, if I remember correctly, later that year, John Cena won 
the championship back from Edge and then defended it in New York again at uh, one night stand for ECW against RVD when he lost it? The timeline is Edge at New Year's Revolution. Cena gets the rematch like two weeks later at the Royal Rumble. And he beats Edge at the at, at the Rumble. Oh, so Edge didn't even have it for very long. Probably two, two, three weeks the most. John Cena gets it, and then he drops it to a Rob Van Dam at a one night stand. And okay. one thing I did forget that Edge competed at Revolution earlier in the night for the IC title and lost to uh, Ric Flair. So, you know, we had the the, the side convo off air that him losing in the beginning, cashing at the end. It really, it really mimicked what Seth Rollins did at WrestleMania 31. I'm not sure if they thought about that, but Seth lost to Randy Orton in the beginning, came back, cashed in at WrestleMania. So the Seth Rollins cash in mimicked the Edge one. Well, it's funny you bring up that Seth Rollins cash in because that for me was a, a very personal moment. Um, that was the first WrestleMania I attended where I had a press pass. And nice. <clears throat> I I really like it was top notch, man. I didn't expect to get treated the way that they treated press. Uh, you know, WWE really goes all out. Like, I mean, I had merch sitting at my at my seat. I had like, uh, you know, the the program that that costs like twenty bucks. I had all of that stuff sitting there. I was overwhelmed because it was like I said, I was I was there as a fan. And I was using my job as an opportunity to, yeah. to be pressed. But, man, it was really cool. The only thing that wasn't cool was the press box is farther away from the ring than my seat was at WrestleMania 26. <laughs> it was so far away, right? Yeah. So I, before the show started, I went down around ringside and was just c- kind of checking stuff out. And the pre-show started. So wrestlers came out and a match started. And there was a security guard there who told me, I couldn't be there. And I was like, oh, that's cool, man. No problem. I, I didn't know where I could and couldn't be. And he, he, he was literally just talking about this pathway that was right coming up to the barrier for ringside. And right. he was like, oh, you could be right over there on that mat, which was like one foot to my left. But he was like, just don't be right here. Just don't block this like little grass pathway in case people need to like walk through here. Right. So, so I basically spent all of WrestleMania 31 right there in that spot. Uh, which was ringside, and it was amazing. I took pictures, and the whole thing was great. But the cash-in for Seth felt so... It feels so personal to me because, again, that was another really unexpected thing. And aside from The Rock coming out earlier, I never felt that kind of vibe from the crowd being so excited about something before. You know, uh, it, it, it's exactly like he described, where it's electric, you can you feel the 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 cheering in the air. You feel like goosebumps, and it you know I'm like this isn't for me, but I'm all goosebumpy over it. You know, like mm. it was wild how exciting it was. I mean, that was the same match. Like <laughs> I was like ten feet away from Brock Lesnar when he coined Suplex City, bitch. Like that was how <laughs> close I was. Like it was the whole thing yeah. was wild to me. Um, but that cash in was so exciting and so memorable in the same way because. Uh, it, it was very unexpected. The the great thing about the money in the bank is it tends to fall completely off of your radar. So you don't know when it's going to happen. And they tend to catch you when when you least expect it. 
uh, WrestleMania. Yeah, that's a pretty pretty unexpected time to have Seth Rollins cashing in like that. Uh, and same thing with this particular show. Uh, we, we didn't know the rules of the money in the bank. We knew that he could cash in whenever, but we didn't know it literally meant whenever. So th- it was like right out of the gate. They were like, yeah, this is one of the things that could happen. And it's happening right now. That's what made it so exciting. We didn't know that someone could just come up to you after you got your ass kicked in a six man match in a, in an elimination chamber and challenge you for the for the belt. We didn't know that could happen. It made it a completely, you know, it, it made it honestly one of the most exciting variables in WWE. So let me ask you this. I know, like you say, it might be personal personable for you. Because you were there. But if I, if I ask you, what was a better cash in Edge at New Year's, New Year's Revolution because that was the first one? Or Seth Rollins because it was at WrestleMania? I would still say Edge. Edge means more. It's still more memorable, I think, to me as a moment. And I think the other part about it was Seth still cashed in and had to fight dudes. He had to fight two dudes. He had to fight two big dudes. Yeah. Edge was smart enough to just wait until John Cena's ass was beat and then cash in. That was that fact of the championship. That's that That's that thing that almost makes the money in the bank a guarantee. You know, they've tried to pepper in some people not winning with it, and that's fine because it does add to the excitement of it a little bit, John Cena being one of them. But it does mean that basically the person who has that, that, that briefcase can, if they're if – they're, unethical enough they could just trade it in for the championship at at one point or another and that's really what it's all about is not only is it a cool wrestling you know championship kind of MacGuffin, but it's also this wild like ethical barometer where you're going to see whether someone is like a jerk or not based on how they cash it in, how honorable they are. And then even if they're honorable, it's like, are they so honorable that they're stupid about it? Like John Cena was where they're going to like tell the person I'm going to cash this in at the next pay-per-view and essentially eliminating any kind of advantage that you're getting from that, you know, briefcase. We've seen a lot of different things from it. And I think it makes it that exciting. It's, it's all depending on the person, and it, it can make the person kind of turn evil if they really want to do something underhanded with it, or they could show what a, what a, what a noob they are by thinking that they can you know, be ethical about it and tell the person beforehand that they're cashing it in. So you as a fan, because I, I just did the show, uh, it, it'll come out in June, um, I did the cashing for RVD and John Cena at One Night Stand. Oh six and, and that whole buildup. So you're for you, you're more of a fan of like, oh shit, j- just surprise me, as opposed to what John Cena is saying. All right, I'm cashing in at this at this show, or, or even Rob Van Dam telling John Cena uh, a few weeks before One Night Stand, I'm gonna cash in at this event. Are you more of a fan of just doing it as is and not not letting you know, or you're a fan of you you knowing um, ahead of time? I, I think you. I think letting you know ahead of time is stupid. I think it completely inip- eliminates what the money in the bank is, right? I think that's just a number one contender shot at that point, and you're just announcing it ahead of time, and it mm-hmm. it gives them a chance to hype up a match for a pay per view. 
sure, whatever. It just it takes the it takes the exciting variable out of the money in the bank. The reason why the Seth Rollins cash in and the Edge cash in were both so effective was because they lulled you into a sense of forgetting about it, and then they cashed in. You know, like you said, both in both cases, both individuals lost earlier in the night. It makes you just kind of check them off of your list and think I'm not going to see them back again. You know, if, if that person didn't have a match, you'd be a little suspicious about it, but considering that they, you know, fought somebody else and, and lost and, and are backstage licking their wounds, you assume now is not a good time, but then they come out with a chair and beat the crap out of the guy before they cash in and then they cash in and then boom. The thing about this cash-in with Edge is I think they were very aware of the amount of disdain for John Cena that there was. I mean, when you talk especially about six months later, them booking Cena as this heel, non-heel character at the ECW one-night stand, they knew what they were going to get out of certain crowds when it came to John Cena. They knew that people felt like he was the Boy Scout, the Superman of WWE. And a lot of people aren't fans of Superman. A lot of people are fans of Batman. And that's really what it came down to is them knowing that and and using it during this time against the fans to tell some pretty good stories. I think underrated stories when I look back on it because at the time it wasn't, I I didn't appreciate it for what it was. uh, But now like that time has passed, I I can appreciate it for, for how good it was. Listen, man, I think it was the right heel, the right good guy, the right time. And, again, they could have pulled a trigger at Royal Rumble or WrestleMania. You just never know now in hindsight. But I think at that point in time, um, Edge would – something about Edge, like he he had to be the guy because you mentioned John Cena. He beat everybody. And it's like, all right, who else is out there? that John Cena could have a good match with that can be that, that, that could be a threat to John Cena. And I think Edge was the only guy left remaining. Well, and he even beat up on Edge, I think, quite a bit before this. I don't think I don't I, don't, I, I remember Edge and John Cena being involved in a rivalry before his cash in a little bit. And John Cena always got the best of him. So I think a lot of times, you know, especially with these feuds, we just, again, check these guys off the list as John Cena goes down the list and fights the next one and then fights the next one and then fights the next one. That's kind of the the pattern we were in at that time. So if, if, if he already had a program or even a short period of time where he feuded with some guy, you figured that was behind him and he was just going on to the next thing because that was the path he seemed to be on. He was going to beat everybody until the end of time. And that's, uh, you know, that's again, what made the cash in so great. It was, it was unexpected. Right. It was um, unexpected that it was edge coming back again. I got a few more before I let you go, but um, aside from edge, and aside from Seth, what are some of your favorite uh, cash-ins that, that, that you've seen? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, let Thank me you. see. <laughs> I, because, because you can't you, you take away <laughs> you take away the uh, the the one at WrestleMania in thirty-one. I mean, mm-hmm. that to me, obviously, because I was there, was just something special. You know to me um i think honestly some of the unsuccessful cash-ins kind of were a little surprising to me but um i i don't know i i like the dean ambrose cash-in 
I remember when Dean Ambrose cashed in his money in the bank against Seth Rollins. I, I thought everything they were doing there was really good. I thought Dean Ambrose's champion was after that was pretty fun. You know, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of fell in love with them a little bit after that. Uh, I was also present for the Dolph Ziggler cash in or not cash in, but winning of the money in the bank, um, but okay. not for the cash in. Um, and he did successfully cash in on Alberto Del Rio, but, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't exactly as excited about that. I, I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember that was a really weird, cash or money in the bank because I didn't think any of the guys deserved to win it at all. But Dolph Ziggler winning it was like, all right, you know, that guy's kind of like the next Shawn Michaels. So I think that I'm pretty, pretty okay with him winning it over everybody else that was in it. Uh, it's, it was a bunch of un, un, I think Cody Rhodes was in the match, but aside from Cody Rhodes and a few other guys, it was, it was a bunch of unremarkable, you know, wrestlers that you kind of questioned why they were in the match. Uh, the money in the bank got to a point where it, it, it tended to be a mid card kind of match with, a, with a bunch of guys that like you, you, you had to look at each one and question how any of them could be considered mm. a potential world champion. And that was, that started to be the only game I could play with some of them. I mean, when you're talking about kind of those middle years from, like 2007, I think to about 2012, there was a lot of those that were just kind of like, okay, the Miz. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Alberto Del Rio, like a lot of them were successful too. That's, that's the weird part was a lot of the cash were successful. I, I think that's why to me, some of the unsuccessful cash kind of stood out. Um, just because it was, uh, it, it, it got to the point where like, oh yeah, Baron Corbin didn't do it. He, he lost and, you know, uh, John Cena wasn't able to successfully cash in and Braun Strowman wasn't able to successfully cash in. They were, but they were all kind of under stupid, you know, situations where you could kind of tell storyline wise, they just wanted to eliminate the money in the bank being in play you know i like so the I, um i like the 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 uh aside from edge and seth i like the rob van dam one i think because of where it where it took place that's why I, that's why I, I love the rvd one um i like the the edge second one was tricky because you know i think kennedy got hurt and then he beat kennedy just for the briefcase and then Edge cashing on Taker at, on SmackDown. But the CM Punk ones I like. Um, I'm looking at it right now. The one he got on Raw, at the beat, uh, he beat Edge. And then he beat Jeff Hardy for the second one at the Hardy. Just beat Edge. So, uh, wasn't a fan of Swaggers, Canes. I, I don't even recall that one. The Miz, the Rio. Um, I do recall John Cena losing. Dolph Ziggler, I do recall that. Orton at that SummerSlam. Uh, oh, CM Punk's. Yeah. CM Punk's was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely a good one. Absolutely. And the last one I recall, aside from Seth, was the Randy Orton at SummerSlam 13, where him and Triple H, I guess, joined this, uh, the, the, what was that group called? Uh, the Authority. So 
Daniel Bryan, <laughs> yeah, all that stuff. So, um, so pretty, some pretty good ones. Uh, a lot of people who you see on this roster is like, really, they want money in the bank, and it's like, all right, like Sheamus and. Yeah, and Corbin, but even even Brock, a guy like Brock, <laughs> just won it last year. Like, all right, Brock, you know. Plus, he, he you know he ain't do shit. He just climbed you know up the ladder though? and did it. Brock's Brock's was funny. Brock winning Money in the Bank brought out a different side to Brock. Yes, that I never thought we would see. I don't, I don't know what happened with him. I don't know what snapped inside of him to start using the Money in the Briefcase like a like a freaking you know boombox boom yeah. and everything that he did with it, but. Man, the the enjoyment I got out of it, like those are the things sometimes in professional wrestling that you, if if you're not gonna kind of laugh about stuff like that and have a good time with it, then maybe maybe you're done watching professional wrestling. Because for me, you could put on all the five star matches all night long, and eventually I'm gonna start yawning and tuning out, just no matter how good the matches are. I mean, I was at I was at an indie show one time. And one of my guys that I managed was getting pretty upset about how like hard the two guys in the first match were going and how many high spots they were doing. And I didn't really understand it. I was like, what are you mad about? And he's like, they might as well just fucking blow up the whole roster. They might as well just, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like he was like, he was way angry and going way over the top with it. But his whole thing was they were setting the bar too hot, too too high too soon they were the first match out there so in a way they have to look at it like they're an opening act that they're trying to tease the crowd and get the crowd a little excited but they can't go full-blown big spots you know five-star match in the first match because everybody's going to get all like excited and overwhelmed with all of that and then everything else is just going to be whatever uh it it seemed petty to me at the time Mm -hmm. but i get what he's saying because when you're talking about like an indie show, uh, all of it tends to run together. Really, the things that tend to start to stick out are the funny moments and the original moments and things that you haven't seen before. But all of the wrestling, no matter how good or bad it is, it all kind of, I don't know, isn't that memorable at the end of the day. Right. I think that one of the things that's you know memorable for all of us is is all of this storyline stuff and and all of the fun that that comes with the the things that happened uh because of it when i look at a lot of these i don't remember anything that happened because of the cash-ins but the ones that i kind of brought up and the ones that stick out in my mind those are the ones where good stories were formed from it memorable moments were made because of it none of them though for me are as memorable as the edge cash-in um it's it'll never be it'll never be because I remember where I was. I remember how much I paid for that pay-per-view. I remember jumping <laughs> yeah. up and down in my living room. I remember all of that. Like, see, that's something that people today, you, you kids today, you're never going to understand. You're never going to get how, how like, exciting it was for, like, what, what, what my man said earlier about your parents ordering the pay-per-view for you. Like, I didn't get to watch all the WrestleManias. I mostly had to catch up in magazines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But when my parents did spend that money on a pay-per-view, I mean, I knew that they were just investing $60 in one night on just me because nobody else in my house wanted to watch that wrestling pay-per-view except me, but they <laughs> bought it for me those couple of times yep. and it meant the world to me, you know? Mm-hmm. So you should be happy. It's only nine ninety nine, but Back in the day, even of this pay-per-view, you had to invest the money in it. I remember doing so and not being let down by the result. I remember 
like a good movie or the finale to a television show you've watched for you know the last six months. It was just that chef kiss moment for me after watching this that it was such so satisfying. It was such and 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 it gave me that feeling that. I wasn't getting often enough at the time, which was, I can't wait to see what happens on Monday. You know, that was a big thing about pay-per-views was that lasting feeling of like, Oh my God, I can't wait to see what happens because of this that happened at this show. Exactly. Like tomorrow night is going to be so much fun. I can't wait to watch. Um, two more before I let you go. Um, so I know we, I know we touched up on it earlier, but now I want to go more in detail. So how did the cash in, at this show elevate the career of Edge because at, at this time he's the multiple time IC champion uh, multiple time tag team champion he won the king of the ring but to me I think this this title match and winning it um, I felt like it put him in a place where he became more of a superstar a more of elite kind of um, Hall of Fame type performer um, do you think that it did, and how beneficial was uh, this moment for Edge for his career, and also the blossoming of the Rated R superstar character. Well, I'll say first, I didn't know that he only had it until Royal Rumble, so just you saying that surprises me, and that shows how big of an impact him winning the championship at that time was because I thought he had it for way longer than that. I know he became multiple time champion after that, and that solidified him as being that main eventer kind of status Mm -hmm. but this was this was that thing that that i i don't know this was like this is like a first time you're inducted into the all-star game in a way right like everybody can think very highly of you as a as an athlete whether it's an nba or mlb or anything any other sport but the minute that you get elected as that pro bowl status or that all-star status it's a different level and I felt like this was that moment for him. He had plenty of moments. I think the thing with Foley, where he put him through a fucking flaming table, was prior to this. Obviously, the run with, run with Edge and Christian was prior to this. He had all of these great moments, but this moment was that thing that was like, oh, Edge is here now back at main event status, by the way, guys. And this is that moment that tells you that. Uh, I think not only that, but... It was such a big moment for us as fans that it made us embrace him as that. I mean, a, a run that was as short as that shouldn't have been as impactful as it was, but it obviously was big on me and big on you. So even though it was a short championship run and that he had more of them afterwards, this was that thing that like, you know, hey, you're here now. You're at that elite level. You're a, you know, main event superstar in WWE. He, he, he had brushed up against that several times, but this was that moment, at least for me. And I'm sure it was for a lot of people. Yeah, I think for me, um, I think I think it elevated him to a different status. Again, at the time, that roster stacked with Cena, with Orton, with Hunter, Sean, Taker, um, Flair, you know, the whole evolution, Batista, um, so many guys that, like, when you go back, when you go back to that 05, 06, 07, 08 roster, it's just, it's just fucking phenomenal. Like, wow, you really had all these people on one roster at one time on for Raw, for SmackDown, and it was like, man, like, it, you'd be surprised at who was the world champion 
during that time because you know, if it wasn't Cena or Hunter, it was Orton, it was Batista, it was Edge. Um, so I, I think I forget who said it, but somebody I believe said when they went into Ohio Valley Wrestling, when all these guys were there at the same time, it was like walking into uh, Xavier's school for gifted, you know, children. It was like being around the X Men because you just had all of these exceptional people in one place at one time and you know you look over here and it's dave batista you look over there it's john cena you look over there it's randy orton it was just like this crazy mix of people that didn't seem to be human they seemed to be some sort of mutant or or like comic book like character you know the way i looked up to these guys as kids but even other superstars that walked into these facilities felt this way by these other people that were their same age or even younger you know it it, it does it, it's it's kind of like when i tell people about that period of time when wrestling was at its apex yeah uh you know it's like yes yes you could say there were a lot of combining factors that made it popular with pop culture at the time but the biggest thing is, is look who is the biggest movie star in the world right now. And that guy was second banana to Stone Cold Steve Austin. So you had those two guys there together at the same time. Mm-hmm. And you had, you know, obviously Undertaker and all these other folks in their prime. But, you know, you just had this a phenomenal mix of talent and not just wrestling talent like entertaining talent that's the main factor yes i think i think the thing when it comes to these guys that we're talking about they were just ridiculous athletes and you know just could do crazy things in the ring i still remember the night that john cena picked up big show in the fu for the first time and i still remember a lot of these moments that these guys had. I just watched Stuber the other day and I realized that Batista is a phenomenal actor on top of being a phenomenal wrestler. And yes, I know he's in Guardians of the Galaxy and it's easy to be Drax. He was had to, he actually had to act being a police officer in a stupid movie like Stuber and he did a great job. Uh, but these guys all were really, really talented and I think we'll look back as years pass a little bit and and acknowledge them for how great this particular group was at the time. Not right. to mention you had you know Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels in the mix. Yeah, uh, you you had you had a lot of guys in there that were that were really talented and and you know just this nice mix of the the superstars like Triple H and Undertaker around still to to give these guys the rub. It it worked out really well and you know for Edge it was kind of just that perfect moment for him to join that group. I think people always thought of him as being close, you know, elite adjacent, but not in that group. And this particular night, this one thing is that it is what moved him from column B into column A. So my last one to you is kind of like a loaded question. So it's probably two and three into one, but, um, so we see the blossoming of the rated R superstar character He's world champion. He has Lita. He has a live sex celebration on Raw. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. Um, which, again, you talk about 06. It's like, listen, bro, you cannot do that now. And it's like, you would you would love to see that now, but you can't for whatever reason. But it just shows you how th- they were doing this post-attitude era. And it's like, you know, I know it's ruthless aggression. And I'm like, man, like, 
this is 06 and, and Edge is doing this with Lita and, and me as a fan I'm like I'm watching it I'm, I'm shit I'm, <laughs> I watch it whatever I can so you got that you begin the heel run as the Raider R superstar uh, that followed the the cash in uh, he, he kicks off this this uh, crazy rivalry with John Cena and he becomes a uh, seven time world heavyweight champion a four time WWE champion in the process Hall of Famer, all that good stuff. But if you had to narrow down and describe what the rated R superstar character meant to Edge in his career to elevate him more, and would it have been the same if he did not make the cash in on John Cena that night? I don't think so. I don't think so because I I think that that particular cat, I don't know. I mean, it, it just everything worked really well for him. And the, the one thing about it was he kind of got into a spoiled brat phase. I think earlier I said, like, he had the match with Foley, but the match with Foley came after this, I believe. Actually, yeah. it, it, it resulted from this because he lost and he blamed Foley for losing. And then he just kind of like he did. He went into this like. You know, spoiled brat like everything should be handed to him kind of phase and like there were these ups and downs and he always did a good job when he was a heel which was the majority of this run of still making me dislike him right a lot of it was like we discussed earlier, like even the live sex celebration with Lita. That was that thing to kind of also remind you right after him beating John Cena and maybe gaining a little favor in your heart that he's an asshole and that, oh, yeah, remember Lita? Yeah, I stole her from Matt Hardy. and Now I'm going to have sex with her on Monday Night Raw. Like, yeah. what a dick move, right? <laughs> so I, I, think, I think the thing about Edge is he was – a master at constantly leading you down this path of being like, you know what? Maybe I kind of like edge and then being like, Nope. Remember I'm a jerk, you know, smacking you in the face about it. It it was weird, but he just, he always effectively made you feel one way or another about him. There's plenty of guys who have had heel runs and face runs and, you end up liking them throughout all of it, despite, especially once you get to be an older wrestling fan. Once you're no longer 12 and younger, you stop really basing it on what the guys want you to do, and you start basing it more on just kind of who you like. I remember being a young kid and still liking a couple of heels because I liked them. Like, I had no business liking Papa Shango, but that was my dude, right? Ah. I wanted action figures of him. I wanted the whole nine, but he was supposed to be a, a bad a bad dude that you didn't want to mess with. Um, you just, you just have those people in pro wrestling that you're going to gravitate towards edge always made you regret gravitating towards him. He always made you when he was a heel made you hate him for that. But then the fact that he is such a sincere and real guy when he was a face or when he was in a position to be, you know, that good guy, he, he could get you back. He get you back so easily. You know, you look at his Royal Rumble appearance this year and and what he was, you know, what he did and and that moment 
where he came out and he looked at the crowd and we saw the look in his face and it made that it made that moment. He's still making moments all these years later. It reminded you like of him being this kid, this fan, like we all are of professional wrestling. And it just in just with the look on his face made you fall back in love with him. You know, just made you completely be on his side. He he is that captivating of a performer. And I'll say that it's not always easy, you know, to to make people hate you. It's really not, especially when you're as good as he is, when you're as funny and entertaining as he is. I mean, I never hated The Rock. The, the only time I hated The Rock was during the Deadly Games thing because I felt betrayed uh. by him. But still, but still, when he would come out and say the funny things he would say, I didn't hate The Rock. I hated Edge several times in his career and it was always when he wanted me to hate him it was never because he was a bad wrestler or or whatever it was always him using my emotions and whatever he could against me to make me hate him uh and that's somebody who knows exactly what he's doing out there that's somebody who's a true professional wrestler i think for me man i think for me I, i i don't know what it is but I always like the bad guys. I mean, if you know Edge, you mentioned Edge. Edge was a uh, an asshole. He was a dick. I liked him. Uh, Orton, Orton, asshole. Loved him. Uh, you know, Legend Killer. You know the the Legacy. Love rating Orton. Um, who was him? Seth Rollins with the Authority. Loved him. Um, Chris Jericho with the with the list and uh, the stuff he had with Shawn Michaels, loved them. So I, I tend to gravitate towards a bad guy. I mean, I like the good guys, but I tend to gravitate because sometimes they, they remind me of me too because I think we, we all can be an asshole at some, at some point in time too. So it's like, <laughs> it's Very funny true. though. It's funny because like, wow, Jericho is saying this. He's, he, he's making fun of Shawn Michaels and Edge and Randy Orton. Even, even, even Hunter is a dickhead at, at, at times. So he, he, uh, a, a great, ba- a good guy, but even better bad guy. I think Edge was, to, for me, was a great good guy, but even a better heel. Same with Randy Orton. And See, Shawn I Michaels. And I, Shawn Michaels. Here, here's the thing. is I don't even know if WWE today would handle it the same way they did. But I think at this particular time, it was a, a definite combination of the real life stuff like we talked about with Lita and Matt Hardy and everything mixed with the fact that they were using that against us. It, it was effective and uh, it was it was on a different level. So for so for me at the time, it just it got me, you know, it, it yeah. made me mad, but they knew what they were doing and it was purposeful. Now I feel like they're too corporate to do that kind of stuff. And re- realistically in professional wrestling, you cannot be scared to use people's emotions as part of the show. That's what you're trying for. Uh, that's the reason why, you know, wrestling is the way it is. It's, be- it's, it's beautiful in that way. Like it's beautiful in the way fans can affect it. It's beautiful in the way that it can evolve with time. And even somebody like in the case of John Cena, that we, couldn't get enough of a couple of years before eventually ends up grading on our nerves because he can't stop winning. Like it's super weird, you know, but it's, it's one of those things kind of like a super, super team, right? 
you're always going to have the people that are fans of the Patriots, that are fans of the Lakers, that are fans of these teams that win multiple championships, right? right. But then you're going to have people that are just rooting for them, like, oh, I just I don't like the other team, so I'm going to root for them. But then when that team wins too much, they start everybody starts to hate them except the people that were true fans of that team, the sole fans. Those outside fringe bubble supporters all go away mm-hmm. once teams start winning too much and everybody just becomes a, a fan of wanting to see the person who or the team who has won too much lose i've seen it in sports and i've seen it in pro wrestling it's just it's a fact i mean you're gonna have the john cena fans and then you have everybody else who were you know maybe john cena fans at one point but man we we eventually couldn't wait to see that guy lose yeah and all of that was a, just a perfect recipe that I feel WWE was well aware of. It proved it because later when they did the Rob Van Dam thing at One Night Stand in New York, they knew exactly what John Cena was in New York. They knew exactly what he was Hell to yeah. the ECW crowd. And they were still riding on the coattails of the Edge cash-in in a way at that pay-per-view because they were like, man, people were really excited to see John Cena lose. Let's have him lose an ECW in front of all the New York fans again. They'll love that. So like they knew what they had at that time. And you can't say that they didn't. So last point, um, not to put you on the spot, but where do you have edge on, on your all time, all time favorites, top 10, top 15, 20, top five, top 30, where you got them? I'd say Edge definitely cracks my top 10. Um, Edge Edge cracks my personal top 10 because of the moments over the years. I think because of how long he's been relevant. I think the the comeback from the injury makes it really hard not to put him in the top 10. If he would not have come back, if we wouldn't see him in present day wrestling Mm -hmm. with the story that he is and not just the story, but the way that damn theme song of his. Oh yeah. So purpose, like so perfectly narrates Mm -hmm. the story of his comeback and everything that he's gone through. Like, I don't know if I'd feel the same way, but now with everything, I'd, I'd put him in my top 10. I, I typically like guys like him that tend to be um, underdogs that weren't given everything, that had to fight hard to get their position in a company like WWE. You know, And I mean, it's, it's hard because I think when you're talking about, if I was talking about the greatest of all time, I might not have him in my top 10. But when you say personal favorites, I think he, he just gets in there at, at probably like eight or nine. But he's he's definitely in my top ten. For a later time, I might have to reevaluate my top ten. Maybe top, I think Edge would be my top fifteen. He, but he might be like eleven or twelve. I, I mean, sure. we, we could talk about Stone Cold, Brett, Sean. Yeah, rock. see, and those are my guys. Like, yeah. my guys were always Stone Cold. My guy was Brett. Like, God, I can't tell you what a personal inspiration Stone Cold was to me as as a person. But like, I think for me, the big thing is when you look at a lot of guys, I'm a, a fan of Daniel Bryan, Stone Cold. Um, they're all kind of the everyman. You know, you're going to have The Rock in there. You're going to have a couple of other guys. But Brett, the Hitman, Hart, Stone Cold, all of those guys. They're like those guys that are people you feel like you could have known that then went on to do great things. That's why that storyline of the underdog is, is, is so easy to get fans behind. 
because we all love an underdog story, but we, we all love it more than anything in professional wrestling. Professional wrestling is that business that tends to just give opportunities to guys with great physiques and, you know, very little upstairs. And, you know, you love to see those guys that shouldn't be there, make it or do big things. Um, but professional wrestling is all about entertainment. Really. That's what it's about. And, uh, you know, I, I think that when I think of the great moments over the last 20 years, edges cash in is probably in the top five. No, I hear that. Um, Derek, man, I do want to thank you. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, you know, going back in time to WrestleMania 21 for the first Money in the Bank ladder match to New Year's Revolution 06 and just kind of highlighting the highlighting the career of Edge and uh, the Raider R superstar character. And I, I think it makes sense to talk about it because he's still, you know, like you mentioned, he came back. So he's still very relevant. I don't know with everything going on you know what they do with him he might be like he 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 might be he might be one of those wrestlemania rumble SummerSlam, uh, sure. only kind of guys. special attractions special attractions you know he edge probably signed the brock lesnar uh contract <laughs> hey man you know the thing is is that even brock lesnar deserves the brock lesnar contract at this point but yeah. edge is definitely one of those guys that deserves that he deserves he deserves that fat deal to only show up a couple of times because that makes it that more special when we do see him, you know? Exactly. Uh, you can follow Derek on Twitter at cap underscore caveman at C-A-P underscore K-A-V-E-M-A-N. Great work covering the Arizona Diamondbacks on Arizona Sports 98.7 and the Steel Cage podcast. Derek, my man, always appreciate it. Randy, my man, I can't thank you enough for having me on. It was an absolute blast, and I'll tell you, uh, it makes me want to go back and watch it all over again just because yeah. uh, I, I have the feelings. You know, I, I get excited just talking about go. this. You know, it's one of those things that, especially now with everything going on, uh, I think it would be a, a fun thing to go back and, and spend some time watching. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm nostalgic for all of this time but thank you again for having me on listen man i promise you you probably pop in wrestlemania 21 then you go into backlash then you go into vengeance you probably see the whole year and a half run of edge right now oh man and it's great right because they always do a good job of doing those recap you know like video promo things so you get all of those during the pay-per-views and they'll catch you right up so exactly yeah i'm excited to do it all right uh derek man thank you i appreciate it thank you my man all right take it easy all right, man. Have a good night. Thank you again for having me. All right. No problem.